Time to barrel down as we uncork the Indiana beverage industry one bottle at a time. Nicole, I'm so excited to sit down, um, really go through who you are, what Sip and Share Wines is, and um, the the great story that you are paving, not only for Indiana in the Midwest, but the domestic wine industry. So tell me a little bit about your background and why the heck you chose to make wine or how you got there. <laughs> yeah, um, well, thank you, first of all. I so, so do appreciate it, Katie, um, and all that you do and the whole Indiana Grape team. You guys are awesome, first of all. I just need to let you know <laughs> that. Um, so yeah, so I got into wine, um, through writing, which is kind of a interesting, I know pathway. Um, so I'm a writer by trade and I went to graduate school, um, as an adult, um, an older adult, I'll say adult learner. And so one of the things we did when we got done, um, was we would work on our writing. And so we would sip and share, which is how the whole name came about. And so um, one day we were like, hey, we should bring wine and, you know, and talk about it and explain why you chose these wines. So that got me to thinking about, oh, I never really thought about wine. You know, then I was still in the more, um, I always say I'm a wine enthusiast. The, you know, the more I drink, the more enthusiastic I get. <laughs> so I started thinking, it though, on the other side, and I was like, oh, so let me think about it. And then I did, um, then I was like, oh, I was a black winemaker. So I did a really quick Google search. And at that time, this was like about 2008, there were about 30 black winemakers listed out on the internet that had probably been in business at least um, a decade. But that wasn't really like prominent knowledge. So I started asking people and they were like, no, I didn't know that. I never thought about it. So um, Sip and Share Wines really started as a way, as a home and event wine tasting company. So we started bringing in these small boutique wineries um, into people's homes so that they can taste these wines and learn about, you know, all these winemakers that because, you know, the store shelves only have so many, you know, so much space. And that's how we got into it. We always made sangria. And I come from a Southern family in North Carolina and, you know, most families, you know, you always had that, you know, that something over in the corner that was covered or underneath (laughs) the kitchen counter that you were told don't touch. And my family had wild grapes that grew um, on their property. So we, um, my, both sides of my family, my mother and father from North Carolina and both of them from farmland. And so we've always made wine. So it's just one of those generational things. And so I was like, oh, you know, made sangria. And then as people drank it, as we did more and more events, people were like, oh, we'd like to take it home. And I was like, I don't know how to do that yet. (laughs) And um, I was like, yeah, we can give it to you like here at this event. And we finally figured it out. And so 2018, we became a winery. 2019, we released our first collection. That's so awesome. So the, I mean, the vision was kind of, I like to talk about the, like the after meeting clubs, um, you know, when you're off the record and you're just hanging out and you're working on those interpersonal relationships. So that that's kind of how the winery started. And I love the meaning behind the name. I never knew that. So I'm so glad I know that now. (laughs) Um, and so what, I mean, obviously you're very passionate about what you do and your story. So kind of share with us a little bit about your mission and how, um, how, how you stay enthusiastic when the world is pretty trying right now. I mean, there's, there's a lot of setbacks, 
between, um, you know, diversity and COVID and mm-hmm. well, we have a foot of snow on the ground. I mean, right. everything <laughs> in the world is, is just kind of, you know, saying, Oh, Hey, 2022, let's see how crazy we can be this year. So how, yes. how do you stay with your mission and your vision? Um, and, and stay positive. Well, we're passionate about creating community with wine. So that's really what Sip and Share is about. And um, we specifically invite and censor, well, we specifically censor black and brown wine lovers because the wine industry hasn't done that, but we welcome everyone to the table. So we have a very diverse table um, of people who drink with us. And so that keeps me going. The uh, wanting to reach new people, wanting people to know that wine is fun. It's not this, um, drink that's just for, you know, an elite, you know, class of people. It's like, you can drink what you want. If you like sweet wine, that's great. If you like dry wine. Um, but so it's really to get people like into drinking wine as we get older, our bodies, um, just change. And so sometimes we can't drink our favorite spirits as we once liked to, um, so our bodies just don't tolerate it. So wine (laughs) is a good, um, you know, a, a good next level drink. And I just tell people, you know, it's, it's all about the fun. It's, it's just keeping people motivated. It's, it's doing the education in a way that people can um, access it and, and make it something that, you know, people are like, oh, this is fun. And just giving, and just making wine fun. That that's really for us at the end of the day. It's like, are you having fun? And you're like, yes, that's, that's vintage Indiana. That is like the epitome of sip and share, like the fun. Yeah. And I love wine because especially when we're tasting in groups or friend pods, however you want to say yeah. that, and you're, you know, you're swirling and sipping and, and maybe I smell, um, white flowers and honeysuckle and a little bit of pineapple. And you're like, Oh, that's interesting because I actually get a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I love that. It, you know, power of suggestion, maybe some things change, but to just have those open air conversations. Yes. Um, I think that's like you said, fun. It is. And wine bridges the gap. So it's like everybody has a different sense memory. So like you said, what you smell may be based on like your childhood or what, you know, where you've traveled. And so somebody else was like, oh, you know, I lived in this place. So I think the sense memory comes together, but also wine is like, oh, I may not know you, but we've maybe hit, you know, two or three wine tables. And then I'm like, well, you're drinking similar to what I drink. So what else do you like? And then we just start that conversation and we find out like we have so many th- things in common, like, oh, wow, your children went to school here and mine did here. And but and those are people we might not have ever talked to. But I think wine does that. It eventually just brings people together. It breaks the barrier because it does make us more comfortable. So now we're willing to have a conversation. And, you know, pre-COVID, the wine group that I was in was everyone from from Black to Indian, Caucasian, Latino, um, and Asian. So we had a very diverse group, but we all drank with the same palate. Yeah. So that was super fun. And so we could talk about, oh, did you go to this one last time? And what did you like? Or, okay, what's your one from this table? And then we had a case club. So we could buy together as a group and go in and buy a case because we had similar palettes. So I think that's the other thing wine teaches you. Um, You know, it it just, it it grows your, um, one, it grows your wine tasting skills, but it also grows your community. Well, and wine is found around the world. I mean, almost anywhere you go, you can drink pretty local wine. And I think that 
is really interesting. And I mean, just super out of the ordinary because it, to Mm -hmm. me, it kind of always re reminds me that, I mean, I love wine. And so, you know, that's my passion, but it kind of reminds me of home. Even if I'm in Italy or South Africa or Michigan, you know, drinking wine, it's, it's still wine. It's something that I have enjoyed at home that kind of, I don't know, continues to ground me. Is that a little cliche, but just kind of what I feel like. But that's good because it grounds you because it gives you a familiarity, but it also on the other side takes you around the world. Yeah. Because you can drink something and be like, oh, like you just came back from Stellenbosch, you were saying. So you can be like, oh, oh my gosh, this is a South African wine and it has a different citrus flavoring that I've never thought about or this French or Italian wine. So I think it does give people um, that sense of geography and globalness. Yeah. But also, like you said, a sense of home. Yeah. So it, it is that, yes. And I mean, wine makes me very grateful. And I, I really want to talk about your labels. And so, um, A, your labels are so cool. I mean, you see them in total wine and I know exactly whose they are. You know, some wine <laughs> labels get very artsy or they're, you know, very traditional and vintage and we love and appreciate them for that. But mm-hmm. um, I was just in total wine the other day and and I saw your labels and I was very excited to, you know, have this conversation with you. So you mentioned that your wines, you said a collection. So how, how do you come up with that collection? What is your collection of wines? How many collections do you have? Maybe for our listeners who aren't as familiar with your brand, um, let's catch them up to speed. So we have our, um, our flagship collection is the seven word wines collection. And there are seven wines and each of them have a different word. So gratitude, love, um, manifest, intention. Um, what else do we have? Conjure, awaken, abundance. I think I got all of them. And so <laughs> they're just, <laughs> yeah, they're super fun words because again, we they're fun words, but they're also um, inspiring. They're also motivational. So we want to give people a little, you know, again, something different because a lot of people are not familiar with reading wine labels and that can be intimidating and can keep people from trying a wine. So again, we're like, oh, gratitude. That I, I got that. I know what that is. And so that will kind of um, endear someone to try it. We launched um, a gym collection which is based on gemstones. And so right now the the one we have that's available is our um, Ruby dessert wine. So that'll be available until next week, um, right after Valentine's Day, because then we uh, stop selling it until the winter. Uh, But we may extend, given this crazy weather, we may extend it out through February. (laughs) And then we have Culture Can which um, we introduced last year for Juneteenth, which is four um, can wines that have um, the, the word culture is in all the shades of melanin. So all of the human, different human shades. And so super fun. Um, the names are like uh, Royalty Rosé, Majestic Moscato, uh, the People's Pinot Grigio, um, and uh, what's the oh, Solidarity Sweet Red. So again, we want people when they're drinking the wine to also think about that unity, um, that being together, what wine gives us, because wine for us, it's about creating community with wine Mm -hmm. and bringing people together. So that's what we have so far, but we do have something new coming um, summer, summer of 2022. We do, we'll be releasing, um, I believe our last collection, (laughs) I'm saying it's our last, I, I don't, 
I might have one more up my sleeve. Actually, my son, <laughs> my son just talked to me today and he was like, what if? So I might have one more collection that might come out. Um, but right now, this I'm saying right now is should be our, our last one for a while. Oh, that's so exciting. And I love that you, you really unify people. I think that, I mean, that's, that's what I'm getting is when I walk up to a vintage Indiana, I mean, your team is all one. I mean, you are, you're all sip and share wines. It's not one person, you know, there's no leader per se, you know, you're, you're in this together. And so, you know, I think that's really special. And I think that's what makes the wine industry special is because we, we're all here for the same, well, I mean, we have different reasons, but the, the same common reason, right? We want to sip and share, if you will, great wines around, I mean, around the world. So I'm going to use your, um, you know, your winery name and just really run away with that. But I mean, you, you bring people together and I think that's really cool. The other thing that, um, I don't want to say this for sure, but I'm thinking that you're the only branded vegan winery in Indiana. Am I correct in that? Um, Yes, we are the only branded vegan winery in Indiana and we're the only black owned vegan winery in the United States. So cool. And maybe people don't know that, you know, wine, you can make wine vegan. So how, how do you do that? Or um, I guess what, what about your wines are vegan that our listeners might find interesting? So as you know, a lot of wines that are made um, are cleared or filtered or fined with um, animal byproducts. So that could be, to shorten it down, we just say like egg whites, pork gelatin, crustacean, fish bladder. And we use clay. I mean, we just literally use bitnite clay. And, you know, women immediately get it because I was like, you know, clay mass pulls everything out. They're like, ah, yes. (laughs) So they get it. Like, you don't have to go into a huge science explanation. Cause they were like, yeah, I've done that. So, and then men are like, oh, you mean the nasty stuff that I see when she takes it off. And so everyone gets it. <laughs> and it was just for me, my family um, is probably about 85% plant-based. Okay. And so, um, and my friends are, so they were all um, like, hey, you know, how do we, um, we, we can't get wines just off the shelf and really easy. And so we didn't start out to be a vegan winery, um, but then they were just like, well, if we could get stuff and it could be easy, I was like, oh, we can do that. I'm, I'm a pescatarian right now, but um, I go back between being a pescatarian um, and a vegetarian. So, but it, it just made it super easy. So like my entire family now is like, I, we're the only wine they drink because they're plant-based. They know what's in it. Yeah. Um, so, th- so that makes it just super easy for people to know that like, and we stand behind our wine. So, you know, again, because we are a business of family. Like you said, when you see Vintage Indiana, you see, you know, those are my friends and my family members. Like I just wrangled everybody and, and <laughs> we all work together. And so it's just super fun, um, you know, to have that, that, you know, camaraderie and that team, but also for them to be able to say, I know this product. Like I was in, you know, I was in the production room. I helped make this. I know it's vegan. And so, you know, they can stand behind that as well. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's special to the industry, right? Because as the world changes, you know, we have to adapt, uh, adapt and, mm-hmm. and change our bodies as, you know, our bodies are telling us certain things. I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor, but you know, pe- we have to do that. Um, you yes. look back at, you know, all the world's history and, and diets have changed. People have changed. So I love, I'm going to continue to go back to the word inclusion. You know, I, I love yes. that that you're doing that for our community. 
So I want to highlight you. I know you're very humble, um, but I, this is one of my favorite things. So um, I, I even wrote it all down because I oh. wanted to make sure I didn't forget anything, but um, Nicole was named in Forbes magazine as one of the 10 drinks for summer, one of 40 African-American tastemakers by Sabrina Jackson and named one of five black owned wines that you should be sipping right now. And so, I mean, don't, that's pretty cool. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get that out there. That's pretty stinking awesome. How, I mean, and you're fairly young in the industry. I mean, I, you've enjoyed wine and you've practiced that, but to have a business and to have, um, Forbes on there and you, okay, I'm totally going to butcher this, but maybe two <laughs> or three years ago you were named, was it a small business of the year by the Pacers too? Yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Nicole, that's amazing. So obviously that gives you a lot of motivation to continue your legacy and your passion. Um, but what, what else does that do for you? Um, it, it makes me, like you said, want to succeed and, um, build bridges with other winemakers and help other people get into the industry. Because for us, it was again, all about just creating a really good wine, um, and, and sipping and sharing with people. And then people like took notice, but I do say that we spent like two years traveling the country just with our wine. I mean, we had bottles that weren't labeled, you know, we just had, you know, wrote on them with markers and people were willing to like taste it and give us feedback. Mm -hmm. And that's how the seven word wine collection happened. So that was all I say community crafted because they were like, ah, oh, well, we like this, we like this, we like this. And so we were like, we took all that feedback into account. And then because I also um, wept winemakers, I got in you know, people then were like, okay, and they shared knowledge and information with me. They were willing to mentor me. So we kind of built that base in the wine community before we ever stepped out. And then when we, we told people, okay, we're going to release, you know, some wine. And they were like, okay. And then they cheered us on and they were like, how can we help you? So I think I tell people it's, it's, you know, that would be, you know, in terms of knowing your market, mm -hmm. um, learning your market, understanding your market, and really uh, creating something or, you know, providing a service or something to people that one that they want, but also that you understand. Cause I tell people I'm my best customer. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. am my, you know, my customer. So yeah. I understand that we deal with a, what people consider a niche customer base um, one because we're black owned, but also because we make vegan wine. So we're like mm -hmm. this double niche. Um, and then I guess I'm a woman. So, um, but it's super fun because people are always shocked. Like we get a lot of times they'll talk directly to my partner in line, um, who's David and it's super funny. And then he's like, but you need to talk to her. <laughs> he's like, cause I can't answer any of those questions. Um, and they're like, well, he was like, I can answer these like surface wine questions. He was like, but that's the wine geek. Like she can give you like all of that, you know, he's like, she, she, she's taken the classes, she's certified. Yeah. So yeah, but it's super fun. But like you said, I want my whole team, like anybody could talk to anybody on my team about wine and they've got you, you right. know, and super fun. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Next question in not really question, just next topic. I mean, there's, um, no surprise that there's lack of diversity in the wine industry, right? I'll even go out and say the whole beverage space industry. Um, you know, you're African-American, you're woman owned business and winemaker. I mean, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, you and some of your colleagues and your team and your family are working really hard to change the industry and to spread your own message. Um, African-Americans are underrepresented, obviously both in winemaking and wine drinking, and you kind of alluded to your target market, but how do you continue to really propel into your target market? Again, you know, there's setbacks and, you know, COVID has presented its own realm of challenges and, you know, some people, are resistant to change. I mean, that's just the big picture of, you know, oh, I don't, I don't like red blend wine. I only drink Pinot Noir (laughs) and, you know, but you're like, no, just try this. I promise it is the best red blend you've ever had. And they are, they're so resistant. I mean, you know, so there's setbacks and there's challenges and there's speed bumps. And then once you think you're in the clear, then you're like, oh, just kidding. Let's make a U-turn again. I mean, where does that that power and that strength really come from to continue to just say, I got this, Nicole, we've got this, you have a great team. Cause that's hard. I mean, whether you're younger, whether you're older and getting ready to retire, I mean, the, those challenges seem to sometimes never go away. They never do. And we look at them as areas of opportunity. So we, we've kind of looked at reframing it. Um, and then every day it's like, okay, how do we get around this area of opportunity? And we look at it, okay, is the brick wall there to keep us out or see? Um, and this comes from, um, I, I, I want to say is Randy, and I can't remember his last name, but he wrote um, a book and I'm probably going to butcher the name, but he found out he was dying. And he wrote a book. This has probably been like 20, 30 years now. He wrote a book and he left it to his children. But he wrote this thing about there being a brick wall. And is it to keep you out or to see how you know badly you want something? And so for us, it's legacy building. You know, I want to see, you know, I want to see sip and share wines be that multi-generational where, where you know, t- there's five generations from now. Um, my family is, is, you know, and I'm long gone, um, but, but it's like sip and share, like we're being spoke about in the name that we speak about, like the EJ Gallows, mm-hmm. um, because in the black wine world, we're only in this, I would say modern time, 25 years old, like the oldest black winery is 25 years old. So that's not a lot. I mean, wow. I have a son of almost that age. So it's not a lot, right. So we're talking about this short realm of time, but only in the last maybe 10 years have people begin to take notice. And so, like you said, it's, so the industry is now having to like pay attention. Mm -hmm. They're having to think about how they diversify, um, who they cater to, which is a little harder because they've been like, um, you know, our, this is our base. Um, we know that Caucasian women drink most wine, but 35% of wine drinkers are black women. Yeah. So, and people were like, what? So when you talk about the disparity of who drinks it and who makes it 1% of wineries um, are black owned and 0.1% are uh, black women winemakers. So I'm in this like really, really small subset of, of, of folks, but, but it's really interesting. But again, I look at it differently. I'm in the 1%, you know, who doesn't want to be in the 1%. Yeah. So yeah, we're just trying to reframe the mindset, but also bring more people into the industry who look like us. Because the more black and brown and women who come into the industry, then it's something that becomes normal, becomes mm-hmm. normalized. Um, and we're not these anomalies in the industry. And I think if we just continue to keep going and making really good wine, 
um, the change is going to happen. I mean, there's still going to be a lot of resistance, mm -hmm. but we're just going to keep showing up and building these tables and saying, come, come over and drink with us. And eventually, yeah. like you said, people will be like, oh, I don't like that. And I hear that all the time, but I'm yeah. like, okay, trust me. Let, and I always ask people, let me take you on a journey. Yeah. So once you in, endear people and you get their trust, I'm like, let's go on a journey together. And people are like, mm -hmm. okay. And I was like, and you don't have to like it all because I am not offended because again, every wine is not for everybody. There's right. wine I've drank and I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll yeah. never drink that again. Um, but I've also drank like, um, I've also had like a wine and from one region and I don't like it. But like, I started out like, I don't like Viognier. I was like, Viognier is horrible, Yeah. but it was French. And then I turned around and had Australian Viognier and I love Viognier. So now you can't like, I, I'm a Viognier fanatic. So um, it's region. Um, I think it's, you know, it's winemakers. It's also people being able to access you as a human being. Like I'm in my community every day. I do things in my community. I have, a, I started my career, you know, educator, um, doing community relations and community development. So people see me and know who I am. And I think, so I've been consistent across the board and that, so people will know, oh, what she says she's going to do, she does, and we can trust her. I think that's the key is to be in your community, to help people, to say, you know, let me, let me get your newspaper for you, neighbor, yeah. or, you know, just be that friendly face. I mean, interpersonal relationships and communication are, are hard right now. I mean, there's no shock in that. But, yeah. you know, even if you can say hi to somebody at Walmart or, you know, take that cart a little bit extra it makes yeah. a big difference. Not only, I, I mean, I get self-gratification of that, you know, kind of that feel good, that pay it forward, but you Absolutely. know, also to see somebody smile that, you know, that just kind of gives me some warm and fuzzies. Yeah. That's for me, my greatest thing is especially, um, I have an affinity for, um, older people because mm -hmm. I want to think that everyone will treat my parents and my grandparent, um, the way I would treat theirs. Yeah. So I always just, that's a golden rule for me. Like you say, can I bring your cart? Can I help you carry your groceries? Do you want me to load them in your car? Like, what can I do? Like I can hold the door, even if it, I've got to stand there because I'm like, I hope someone's doing that for my mom, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm just like, yeah. And, you know, and like you said, sometimes you just have to tell people like, you know what you have, that's a gorgeous coat or, yeah. or those are fantastic shoes because you know, we keep it to ourselves. And like you said, but it's like, you don't know what that can do. Right. And I've had people come back and be like, oh my God, I was just in this different space and you complimented my shoes and I cannot not smile. So I yeah. have to come back and just say, thank you. And but, you know, you're just like, oh my God, those are really cute. Like I would wear those, you know? Yeah. So give people kindness, um, give people grace. Oh my gosh. In this day and age, I say we must extend so much grace to people because COVID has wreaked havoc on people's lives, people's mental health, including young people. So I think that just extending that grace to people, even when you call your friends, like, hey, do you have a moment? Like, do you even have space for me to like, I need to vent? Like, yeah, are you okay with that right now? And it will be like, no. And I'm like, okay. And then you, you know, so I think just even being mindful of that in, in this day and age and just treating people for real the way you want to be treated. Like, you know how you want to be treated if you go to the store and we know the lines are long. We know people, you know, we, we know there was the great, you know, resignation. So just talk to somebody in line, make it, 
you know, meet somebody new or just do something nice for people instead of, you know, being the person who's like, ah, you know, and, and cursing and all the lot. It's not going any faster, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> that it's is not. totally right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think so much of that we learn or it's instilled in us because we've had great mentors or, you know, great friends growing up or, you know, just great friends in our everyday lives. And, you know, I, being at Purdue, I work with students, you know, quite often, or I interact with students all the time. And I want to make sure that I note that there are several scholarships available to um, minority students. So the root fund or the roots fund um, is aimed at black, indigenous and Latinx students to get experience in the wine industry. I know you have a son, right? We were just talking about generations. Um, so, I mean, is your son, maybe he's not interested in wine, but how do you empower students who are kind of on the, the fence, if you will, about even entering the alcohol space, I'll just broaden this real big, um, because it really takes the next generation, right? Like you've talked about to, to take over and to say, I got this, I'm going to do something. I'm going to carry on this legacy. Um, do you have internships available? Do you do mentorships? Yes. First, I want to address the Roots Fund. So I am a Roots Fund scholarship recipient. Um, Yes. So I love, love, love the Roots Fund. And I'm super grateful to them um, because they also, so you don't have to just be a student. You can be um, just a a wine enthusiast, a wine lover. And so um, they graciously gave me a scholarship to get my um, WSET, Wine Spirit Education Trust Level 2 so I, I'm now, um, I passed the test. Yay! So, um, so I got that certification um, just through their graciousness. So I tell even older, you know, adults um, who are just want to be in the hospitality industry, specifically the beverage uh, portion, adult beverage portion, um, to look up the, the scholarships they have. But we do, we offer internships, we offer scholarships. We are a repeat, um, I would say, offender of the Purdue University Consult Your Community Program. Mm-hmm. So um, we're working with them on some projects this year to look at um, our expansion. So we love them. Again, I have a Purdue University graduate. I also have an IU uh, graduate. So I have a house divided. Oh, so I, man. I two children. <laughs> um, but, but they, um, I don't, I, they will probably never make wine, but my son um, is an actuary. So he's into finance. Um, and so he will come in and handle the financial part for us. And my daughter um, is comes from a hospitality background. So I, I never worked in restaurants, but my daughter's worked in restaurants and bars and stuff. And she loved that. She did that through college. And now she's, um, she's studying to be a clinical psychologist. So she's kind of moved her career path. Now she's in hospitals, but knowing that she has that background um, and it translates even now when we go out. So she's very like particular, like, you know, this is what we're going to tip, you know, this is what we're going to do. You know, we always did that, but she was always like, you know, it's hard. So let's just leave 20. Um, You know, that was great service. So I believe that our hospitality, you know, um, and community part will be in great hands with my daughter. Um, And then for my son, you know, I, I want them to go out and get at least about one to three years of real world working for other people. And then the goal is to invite them back in. And I have a younger nephew, a couple of younger nephews and nieces. So I am grooming like my entire family because my goal is like in another five ish years, 
I'm just going to kind of be drinking wine and traveling because that's what we do to get the wine out. We, we yeah. travel around the country and they'll be kind of um, keeping everything running on the home front. But I think that's how you do it. You find out, you know, the, the people in your family, their skill sets and you bring them in and bring them to the table and plug them into the areas um, that you need. So, like I said, our whole business is is built on family. I love it. And I yeah. Um, I didn't know you were a Roots Fund recipient. So yeah. that's awesome. Congratulations. And you might be able to share some light on um, organizations like Black Wine Professionals and Wine Unify, who help, yes. to help BIPOC professionals advance their career. For those listening that would like to learn more about this, I'll put a link to all of this um, on our page so you can find out more. And we talked about mentorships, but what is really your one piece of advice for anybody that is, um, trying to break into the wine industry, that's just not sure. Maybe they're having some setbacks or maybe they're listening to the podcast and they're going, yeah, I want to be like Nicole. I want to do something. What's kind of your biggest piece of advice for that person? So I tell people, um, try different areas of the wine industry. Um, cause winemaking isn't for everyone mm-hmm. and neither is, you know, being a sommelier, but you might want to become a wine educator. You might want to get into distribution. Um, black and brown people are lacking in the distribution. And so if we don't have that distribution pipeline, it's harder to get into stores. Um, opening a wine shop where then you can then uh, provide space for black, brown women, small producers to showcase their wine. So get a part-time job um, at a winery, maybe go um, shadow someone that's doing distribution, meet some distributors, uh, go to wine tastings, taste wine. I mean, that's the number one thing or spirits. If that's your, what you like, go um, to meet and travel. The other thing is you can learn um, so many things. Like one of the things I learned when I took um, the W set is that because I had traveled the world, I lived in Europe. My dad was in the military. Um, I can speak um, menu in multiple languages. So I can read a menu in many, many languages, but I also, my mom speaks Japanese, uh, my dad German, my children Mandarin Chinese and Spanish. So So having the language, but also understanding geography. So those things helped me really pass the test because I was like, oh, I'm, I know where Alsace is. Yeah. You know, I know France, I've been to Switzerland. So knowing where those places were um, and then understanding, oh yeah, the climate. So I think travel, um, drink wine, talk to people, um, never, ever, ever be afraid to send a DM or, um, you know, to someone because that's how I got my mentor. Um, my mentor, um, her name is Benita Johnson, and she runs the um, the Vine Wine Club, and she does a huge event. Uh, this year will be in June, the exclusive blacklist in Richmond, Virginia. And she like took time out to like talk to me, guide me, mentor me, introduce me to people, and that's really what helped propel like our business in in the first place. So I think, and and I and I literally sent her a message on Twitter, like. That's how I connected with her. So I tell people, and then she made the email introductions to other people who have mentored me. So um, do that. I tell people, if you inbox me, give me a few days, but I'll get back to you. Um, Just because right now it's crazy season. We're trying to get prepped and ready for um, festival season. But yeah, I think that's the best advice is is talk to people, 
try out a couple different areas. Like I said, we repped people, we got into, you know, the business. So we did different things before, like, I wanted to have a wine bar, but um, Indiana laws are so prohibitive that opening a winery was a, was an easier way in. Um, so we thought, and now of course, like all the work, but I tell people, yeah, look at different areas that you want to get into because the winery business in and of itself, the opening the winery is the easy part. It's all the other stuff that no one tells you, um, to really get it up and going to be beyond a, um, you know, this is where I just want to be in this geographic locality, geographic area. So you mentioned winery, um, where, so do you have a, like a storefront that consumers can come sip at, or are you just in wholesale? How can people buy your wine as well? So we are production only winery right now. Um, I just had a call actually, that's why I was late to talk to you. (laughs) I was just getting off a call, um, talking about where can we move to? We're looking at it coming, maybe late 2022, early 2023, um, that we'll look to have a tasting room. But right now, um, our wines are in Total Wine in Indianapolis only. Um, We are in Mass Ave Wine downtown. We're in uh, Casbah and the Vanguard in Broad Ripple. Mm -hmm. We're in Culture uh, Bistro um, and uh, Grill on the west side. Garfield Brewery on the south side, and we've got a couple other places. Um, oh, the Mad Griddle on the east side, and so we've got a couple other places. So we're we're kind of all over the city right now. We kind of touch every side of the city, but we're also in New York. We're in California. We're in Virginia, and then you can always um, order off our website if you're in side of four sixty five in Indianapolis. We do deliver. Um, we are not delivering right now in the snow, <laughs> but we do deliver and then, um, or you can come by the winery and pick up the wine. So all you're going to see is we have a front area with a whole bunch of stuff in it, but, um, people do come by and, and pop in and chat with us. So we encourage that too. We just don't have a place for you to sit down and, and, and do, and get the whole winery, um, full winery experience, but we do virtual as well. So that's like our our big thing. And that was our COVID pivot where we do a lot of virtual events where we ship the wine to you, everybody logs on, and we are doing in-person events um, now as well. Well, and I mean, grabbing a bottle of wine is great because Valentine's day is just next week. And, you know, if you don't want to go out, it would be great to just cook dinner at home and split a bottle of gratitude, right? It's Valentine's day. So from my recommendation, I mean, I just got back from South Africa, so I'm still on this Pinotage high like that. When I was at Total Wine, I got a case of Pinotage because it was so good. Um, It reminds me of all the great things that happened in South Africa. So that's what I'm drinking for Valentine's Day. What's on or what's in your glass for Valentine's Day? Oh, and my glass for Valentine's Day will probably be bubbles. Um, Mm. I'm probably going to open. I have a a bottle of a stuvescent champagne um, and it's black owned, black woman owned um, out of New York, out of Bed-Stuy, New York, and it is a rosé. So I'm going to probably open that for, yeah, my Valentine's, but I'm a Pinotage fanatic, and I just talked to someone the other day who is looking to grow Cinso grapes. They're actually connected with with the Purdue team. Um, And I found out, like, great things about Purdue I didn't even know. Like, you could come to Purdue and get grapes and stuff. I was like, what? 
Yes. And so he told me about that. And so he's looking to um, grow because he thinks as you know, climate and everything changes, he'll be able to grow some Senso grapes. So I'm, I'm a fan and I'm super excited. I told him I'm his first buyer. Yeah. I'll, I'll I do get mine. Be, I'll be second. Yeah. <laughs> See, I want a Senso blend. I want to make a Senso blend. So I'm like super excited. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I do have, I do have a, a Senso rosé that Ooh. was made by a Tanashi. Um, and he is, he's South African. So it's from South Africa and um, it's now distributed in the United States. So I may have to crack that open too. Well, you yeah. said bubbles. I mean, everybody that listens to any episode knows I love bubbles just as Me much too. as I love my dogs. So yes. um, bubbles <laughs> are such a great drinker because you can drink them any time of the day. It's a great excuse like water. It is. I tell people that and anytime, not just for celebration. I tell people, I drink bubbles like it's Thursday. I'll probably now we've talked about it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have salmon for dinner. So I'm probably going to open some bubbles too. Yeah. It just, it just goes together. It does. Oh, yes. well, Nicole, this has been so much freaking fun. Thank you so yes. much for joining me on here and appreciate it. happy Valentine's day. Happy February. Yeah. Yes. Happy February. Happy Valentine's Day. Black History Month. Um, just all the fantastic um, time and everyone just stay safe, stay warm and be well and sip well. All right. We will post um, all of the links on our Facebook page and on awesome. our um, podcast link for everything that Nicole and I have talked about from Sip and Share Wines. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.